really important to do the education. These are long-term agreements. You don't want to enter into something without knowing kind of the good and bads that might come out of it. But it's also important to structure the deal to work for you. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Smart Energy Voices. I'm John Fiella. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast, and we'd love for you to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. At our recent Renewable Energy Forum, I had the opportunity to sit down with Nathan Nissen, Principal Engineer, Sustainability for Kohler Corporation, and Greg Rizzo, Director of Origination at NL Green Power, to discuss the growing importance of renewable energy partnerships. We all know that stronger partnerships are going to be essential if we're going to succeed in collaborating for a zero-carbon future. Here's Nathan and Greg. Well, listen, rather than me read long introductions and describe your sustainability goals, I think it'd be best for each of you to really do this on your own. So I'd like you to just Tell us a little about your respective current roles, and maybe you could give us an overview of your current sustainability goals. Nathan, why don't we start with you? Oh, thanks, John. I started out with environmental health and safety, and when I came to Kohler, I started working in compliance. From there, I moved into a recycling role, and then when we started to work on sustainability in 2007, I moved into looking at all our environmental impacts not just our waste materials. In 2007, we set a net zero goal targeting greenhouse gas and waste to landfill from our Kohler operations. And the goal, of course, is to reach net zero by 2035. And we've had a really good run so far. Since 2008, we've reduced our greenhouse gas, our water, and our waste to landfill by about half each. And I think about what makes up that program, and it's really a three-phase approach. One is we work on efficiency. We want to be as efficient as we can. And sometimes that's simple stuff like turning things off or slowing them down when we can. Sometimes it's a lot more involved, like putting in a heat recovery system on a process. But we're always investing in upgrading our process equipment to improve efficiency or to bring in new manufacturing technology. So efficiency is the foundation. And then the next big thing is renewable energy. And we've got renewable energy at about a dozen of our locations, on-site renewable generation. We've done CapEx projects. We've done PPAs, power purchase agreements. We've done green tariffs where we're buying green electricity. And we've got one off-site renewable energy project. And that's what brings us here today is the Diamond Vista project that we did with Enel. Half of our electricity is coming from renewable sources. And so now we're looking for other renewable energy projects to cover the other half of our electrical use. But as we look towards the future, the long-term plan, it's really about our products. 
because we know that that's where we're going to have a big impact on the world. So we're trying to find a way to design and deliver products that have a reduced environmental impact without compromising performance or appearance. So we're looking at the whole life cycle from our suppliers to Kohler to the customers to the end of life and looking at that holistic point of view of how a product functions in the customer's situation. That's where we're going to make the biggest long-term difference. Well, thank you. And I'll tell you what, Nathan, that was a pretty tight summary of, of what's a great journey. You started with efficiency, then you moved on to greening your supply, and now you're working on your supply chain. I think that's textbook and, and a great example for others to uh, follow and be thinking about. So thank you for that. Greg, tell us a little about yourself and what's going on with sustainability at NL. Awesome. Yeah. So as mentioned earlier, director of origination on NL Green Power's commercial office team with a focus in the U.S. and, and Canada. My team's focused on establishing partnerships with, with corporate buyers, utility buyers, just general companies looking for purchasing renewable energies to support their sustainability goals. And El Green Power, we're committed to growth, and we have plans of installing over 14 gigawatts of renewable facilities worldwide over the next three years, starting this year. Our growth commitments are aligned to support our public commitment of being carbon neutral by 2050, which we'll get into a little bit later. The current strategy is focused on achieving some of the UN sustainability development goals, which we've committed to throughout the entire value chain. And we place SDG 13 action to combat climate change at the center. Decarbonization of the energy mix by accelerating growth of renewable capacity, which is SDG 7, affordable and clean energy, gradual closure of our coal plants worldwide, and also combining the electrification of consumption will be pillars for the next three years. We align all of our sustainability goals, committing to supporting the communities and cities where we operate, which ties in with SDG 11. Interesting. So you're tied into these global programs, but you're thinking about execution on a local community level basis. And I would say 14 gigawatts is a pretty ambitious goal. So good luck to both of you in, in achieving those goals. So COVID's impacted things, obviously. We did some research with Bloomberg, NEF, that showed that the immediate impact of COVID was that it was negatively impacting budgets. It was negatively impacting access to the corner office to, to even talk about sustainability programs. We think access will improve in the short term, and but there's no real telling how things are going to impact budgets. So I'd like to hear from each of you how COVID has impacted these ambitious sustainability plans that you both referenced. Nathan, maybe we'll start with you. How has COVID impacted the sustainability goals and program at Kohler? Well, it's had a big impact on our associates, their families, our suppliers, our operations. So as we talk about this, we don't want to diminish the impact of the global pandemic on people we touch all around the world. It's really serious, but we haven't slowed down our sustainability efforts in the least. We're still working towards net zero 2035. We're working on context-based environmental metrics and goals, and the rate of progress feels like it's picking up, not slowing down. 
So we adapt how we work in response to COVID. We don't travel. We've made changes to the workplace to keep it safe, but we certainly haven't stopped making progress. We're finding ways to continue to thrive. The sense is progress may in fact be accelerating. What do you attribute that to given the the challenges presented by COVID for most people? It's a heartfelt commitment. We think that sustainability is indeed very important. And even in times of tribulation, we're going to charge ahead because we know that we're on the right plan and we've got a solid approach that's going to help the business succeed in the long run. Well, thank you, Nathan. It's clear, and I'm seeing increasingly when sustainability is part is a core value and really part of your culture and your essence that there's really no no stopping you. So that's great to see. Greg, how about at NL? How has COVID uh, impacted your sustainability plans and goals? We've really focused the main priority, protecting our employees, our workers, and just generally that anything we can do in the communities where we operate has been a main priority for us. As a global company, you know, we operate in areas that were hit really hard, taking Italy, for example, in the early stages of of this pandemic, I think are putting our colleagues at the top of our minds was something that we were all working towards. But just generally in North America, we've put in place strict travel guidelines from the start, you know, dating back to March. I think canceling all travel was the first step. We've definitely stepped up sanitation in the offices. We do have some folks in the field that just can't work remote. Whereas, you know, I, I would say 90 plus percent of our company is working remote. And I think the plan is to continue to work remote definitely well into 2021. And then we've also made a a pretty strong commitment a few months back of giving $1.3 million in response to COVID pandemic across the US and Canada. And we're really putting that and deploying that into the areas where we do business. So the community hospitals, local schools, and help supporting the emergency response teams in in regions where we're developing and operating our assets. But Jeff, definitely just don't want to short sight the colleagues in the field. I mean, they're having to go to work every day. They have to operate these plants. Definitely kudos, kudos to them and kind of changing the way they do work is amazing to see. So Nathan, tell me what led to your reaching out to NL? What, What problem were you trying to solve for? Well, John, what we needed was some scale. At the time we came to NL, We had the renewable energy on site, and we had just not been able to get to 100% renewable electricity at any locations. And so what we realized is that with the electricity needs of a factory and the available roof space, the cost of capital, if we're going to buy it ourselves with our own capital funds, we can also do a PPA, a power purchase agreement, where somebody else invest the capital. We've done those projects too. But through those, it's very difficult to get to 100% renewable electricity at a manufacturing location. So what we needed to do is we needed to find a way to get into a off-site renewable energy project. And as we talked to people at conferences like Smart Energy Decisions, we realized the mechanism of a virtual power purchase agreement where we buy the renewable power that comes off the offsite project, we sell it in a marketplace, but we retain the renewable energy attributes. That's a good project for us because 
then it's a matter of accepting the risk of the wholesale price of electricity if it's more or less than what the negotiated contract is. But there's a lot of other ways that a person could get involved with these renewable energy projects. It's a, it's a complex transaction. So we came to Enel looking for a partner that could help us navigate this process and to figure out what can Kohler do in a way that we're comfortable with that we can participate in this offsite renewable project that not, that's not owned by Kohler, but that we're a partner with them. And that's, that's really what made it work. Interesting. That was a great explanation of what a VPPA is, by the way. There are very few who can articulate it as smoothly as you just did. So thank you for that. Greg, what's your take on why you were able to help Nathan and, and Kohler with that issue they were wrestling with. They needed scale. They needed to do it economically. Yeah, I mean, luckily for us, Nathan and, and his team knew exactly what they wanted and they were pretty confident about what, what they needed. So the good thing about Enel in, in these instances is we do have a diverse pipeline of development projects, both early stage, late stage. So we were really able to find a location and ultimately land on a structure that worked for Kohler, just given you know how many options we were able to put in front of them and, and work together to find the right solution. In this case, we had a had a project that had offtake. So we were really able to be flexible and work to find the right number for for Kohler in order to hit their annual megawatt hour need, which we ultimately sized the deal to. But also we were pretty flexible in the contracting and we definitely got it done quickly, which I think we all appreciated. And I think we're still happy even a few years into operations. The partnership's been going great. Interesting. So you've got this really aggressive 14 gigawatt goal. By definition, that requires you to have multiple projects going simultaneously. You're not going to hit that goal doing these one at a time. So you've got a portfolio of projects. You were able to meet with Nathan and Kohler and find which asset in that portfolio was was the best match for their needs. Correct. Yeah. At a higher level, I'm, I'm interested in having each of you tell me what, what you think the key criteria or components are of a good working partnership. Nathan, as you talk to developers and you explore renewable energy opportunities, what do you think are the the key components and the key characteristics of of an effective working partnership with a renewable energy supplier? We need a high level of expertise because it is a nuanced transaction. So we have to have somebody that understands those nuances, can help us understand, that has capabilities. And Greg talked about a pipeline like it's just a pipeline. It's a lot more than that because you have to negotiate with the landowner, with the system operator that's going to consume the electricity. You have to look at the grid infrastructure to see if the renewable energy can can get to the point that it needs to be. And so we need somebody that's thought about those things and that when I say a expertise and a capability, that's what's implied in that, is that we have to have somebody that's really able to deliver that project that has thought about those issues and has plans in place that can deal with it. And then we need to be innovative. We need to be creative. We have to be aggressive with each other. So we have to really challenge the other partner to get to the point where the proposition that we're talking about, it's not slanted towards one company to other company. It's a solution that we can both live with. Okay. 
you have an appreciation for the amount of work on the back end that is involved to put together the type of portfolio that Greg was able to bring to you. Exactly. When Greg says pipeline, it's not a simple thing. It's, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Okay. Well, I'm sure Greg appreciates your appreciation of everything that's involved. (laughs) Greg, so how about from your vantage point, from the perspective of the developer, what do you think are the key characteristics to a a good, solid working partnership with a large electric power user who wants to procure renewables? Definitely. Yeah. And, And Nathan knows because he and his team visited the site early through construction. So I think they saw how big and, and really what goes involved boots on the ground. So really glad we were able to get them out there at least once. I don't know, maybe more at this point, but yeah. So, so Anel is a developer, but we also develop with the intent to own and operate long-term. So when we start talking to our PPA buyers and, and we really view these as much more than a energy sale, we view these as, you know, an established partnership, but The good thing about us as a developer, but also an owner operator is we do allow our corporate partners to get involved in everything that we're doing on site early on. And when we sign a PPA, you know, the project might be one or two years out from operations. So together we find a plan for the next 12, 15, however long it is to really align our sustainability initiatives with our partners initiatives to make sure that, you know, we're in this together. Yeah, these are long-term relationships and we want both sides to succeed in telling the stories that they want to tell. Greg, you mentioned earlier that it was it was helpful that Nathan knew exactly what he wanted when you guys first got together. Probably 25% of the buyers who are attending the event this week are in the early stages of their journey. How is it that you find working with folks that are in the early stages and, and are just getting started? In this case, the education was was done up front by the time Kohler was introduced to to Anel. So that eliminates probably six to, to 12 plus months of, of the entire process. We've had out of the 15 corporate buyers that Anel has partnered with in the U.S. on PPAs, many of those were first-time first time buyers. And what we found out is the education in order to let them know, because in a VPPA, things can go really good and things can also go really bad. And having that education done up front takes the longest time because we don't want to enter into something you know, and have them not know what they're getting into. So I can tell you in, in the case of Kohler, very smooth transaction process. They knew what they wanted. They had all the work done up front. They kind of had their view of where energy markets were going. So for this, it was an easy conversation. But for someone that's new, that might not have third-party advice or trying to figure it out, it's really important to do the education. These are long-term agreements. You don't want to enter into something without knowing kind of the good and bads that might come out of it. But it's also important to structure the deal to work for you and to hit the risk appetite that you want and manage it accordingly. So there is a whole bunch of ways that we can do that at Anel, but also my peers that are at the conference, the renewable procurement world is advancing and adapting to change very fast. Well, I, I think based on the global experience that NL has, it sounds like you're well positioned to help buyers who are in the early stages of the process with that education and insight based on your experience. Nathan, we're, we're close to running out of time. Are there any final thoughts or comments that you'd like to share with our audience? Not really. I think this has been a great conversation, John. I do have one point I want to make in closing. 
we're talking about education right now, and it's not a sustainability education. It becomes a finance, a risk, and there's a lots of different touch points. And so we had to bring our CFO from zero to completely functioning and articulate in what we're proposing before we could get our project done. So that's part of the educational process is to, to let your leadership know what you're proposing to enter in. And so it's not just a sustainability discussion anymore. It's a business discussion. Well, that's a great closing point, Nathan. And kind of one of the key things, particularly with the first time buyer is kind of getting all the stakeholders involved on board. And one of the unique elements of this week's virtual event is that you are able to include other stakeholders from your from your company. So on the call. So for the corporate buyers, as you're setting up your meetings this week, if you'd like to have someone from finance or treasury join you in one of the conversations that you're having one-to-one with suppliers participating in the event, we'd encourage you to do so to take advantage of Nathan's closing piece of advice here. I'd like to thank Nathan and Greg again for their insights in this episode. I'd also like to thank you, our community of listeners, for listening to the podcast and being a part of the Smart Energy Decisions community. If you enjoyed the episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and tell your colleagues and peers about it. To learn about how you can become a part of the next Smart Energy Decisions event, click on the link in the show notes for more information. We're honored to have the opportunity to share conversations like this with leaders of the energy transition in this podcast, on our website, and at our events, all in the interest of helping you make smart energy decisions. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. We also invite you to check out another SED podcast, Beyond the Meter. Each episode of Beyond the Meter features innovative energy projects and initiatives by large electric power users. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community.